0: Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Hey, we left off Monday with the very cool story of Herod Agrippa being eaten by worms and dying. I just love that story. Anyhow, we move on and we go back to Syrian Antioch with Acts chapter 13. Now, in the church at Antioch, They were prophets and teachers. So what are Paul and Barnabas doing there? Well, they're teaching. And here are the prophets and the teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This is A.D. 46, two years after Herod is eaten by worms and dies, and Paul and Barnabas are teaching at Syrian Antioch. Now the church has commissioned them to go off on the first missionary journey, 46 to 48. So after they fasted and prayed and placed hands on them, off went Paul and Barnabas. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, on the east coast of Cyprus, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Now John Mark, the nephew of Barnabas, was with them. Remember young John? I picture Paul at this point Well, being about the same age Jesus would have been, so Paul is in his mid to late 40s. Barnabas uh, maybe 10 years older, it seems to me. But uh, John would have been perhaps 20, uh, a much younger, much younger man. So John was with them as their helper. He travels with them. Now, they traveled together through the whole island until they came to Paphos, so they teach and preach their way across Cyprus from east to west. And there they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Eliamus the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that's right. You're a fool of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind. And for a time, you'll be unable to see the light of day. And immediately, mist and darkness came over him. And he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what had happened, (laughs) he believed. He was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. So why did they go to Cyprus first? Now remember, the missionary journey, first missionary journey, will be primarily in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, south-central portion. Why go to Cyprus first? Recall that Barnabas is from Cyprus. He owned property in Cyprus that he sold to help support the church in Jerusalem. So that's his hometown. That's his home country. They start out where Barnabas knows the terrain, knows the people, knows the culture, knows the customs. And boy, what an encounter here with the Jewish sorcerer and false prophet, Bar Jesus. Well, groping about We leave him there. Now, from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia. So they sailed north to the southern coast of Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, to Antalya, which indeed today, as then, is a beautiful city. That area of the Mediterranean on the southern coast of Turkey is the Turkish Riviera, And frankly, I think Antalya is much nicer than the French Riviera. It's an absolutely beautiful place. Now on the Sabbath, they landed there and they went north from Perga to Pisidian Antioch. So now we're up into the interior. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. And after the reading from the Law and the Prophets, remember there are two readings in a synagogue service, one from the Torah and an accompanying Hof torah reading from the Prophets, typically from Isaiah, about two-thirds of the time. And the synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. So at Pisidian Antioch, Paul gets up to speak. It's his first recorded sermon. He stood up, motioned with his hand, and he said, Men of Israel, and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years, from the Exodus in our dating scheme, 1446 B.C., all the way up to bumping into 1,000. It all took about 450 years. Now, after this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. You know, once they took the land of Canaan, they're just a loose confederation of 12 tribes, totally independent of one another, and separated by the natural topographical uh, terrains of mountains and rivers and so on. So when there's an outside threat, they coalesce and a leader emerges. A judge, not a judicial person, but a military person. The people ask for a king. You know, that that didn't work well, because the judges became ever more corrupt, ever more corrupt and self-centered and, and just vicious. And the people didn't want it. We want a king to rule us like everybody else. So he gave them Saul, son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. Now, after removing Saul, he made David their king. David is to israel what king arthur is to england he is the warrior king magnificent he testified concerning him i have found david son of jesse a man after my own heart he will do everything i want him to do now notice how paul is recounting the history of israel just recounting it major event by major event Every Jew in the synagogue at Pisidian Antioch would know that, every one, but there were a lot of Gentiles too that perhaps would not. So David becomes king, and from this man's descendants, God had brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. So Jesus goes in direct line back to the very beginning, back to David. The son of David. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel, John the Baptist. As John was completing his work, he said, who do you think I am? I'm not the one. No, he's coming after me whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. So brothers, children of Abraham, I follow Jews you God-fear, and you God-fearing Gentiles. It is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet, in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. In fact, we read in Corinthians that he appeared to more than 500 people at the same time. And now they are now his witnesses to our people. Now we tell you the good news, what God promised our fathers. He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus from the dead. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. The fact, not the hypothesis, not the conjecture, the fact that God raised him from the dead never to decay is stated in these words, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. That's in Isaiah 55 verse 3. So it's stated elsewhere, you will not let your Holy One see decay. Psalm 16, verse 10. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he died, he was buried with his fathers, his body is decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, The people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. We'd we'd like to hear more about this. And when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. They went down to the local Starbucks. They all sat there, drank coffee, talked about all this. And on the next Sabbath, almost the entire city Gathered to hear the word of the Lord. I mean, news spread like wildfire throughout the city in Antioch. They all gathered to hear what Paul had to say. But when the Jewish leadership saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. And then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. But when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad they honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord spread through the entire region. But the Jewish leadership at Pisidian Antioch incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. And they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So what did Paul and Barnabas do? Argue? No. They shook the dust from their feet and went to Iconium. So they headed east to the next town. And the disciples were filled with joy with and with the Holy Spirit. The synagogue at the city in Antioch. Paul's first recorded sermon. When we travel in the footsteps of Paul in Asia Minor, in uh, modern-day Turkey, we visit the city in Antioch, and it's a wonderful archaeological site. Uh, Not a raw site, but almost. There's not a lot of work been done there. But they have discovered the remains of the synagogue at the city in Antioch. And I've had the the privilege and the, and the great honor of teaching this very story standing in the synagogue where Paul spoke it's a real thrill and uh, and every time we travel to uh, to Asia Minor to modern-day Turkey uh, we, we repeat that uh, that episode we go to the synagogue city in Antioch and I get to teach this very material right there it truly is A privilege and a real thrill. Now, down the road at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. That's where they start, because Paul had access to any synagogue he wanted. He is, after all, the adult student of the greatest rabbi of that century. He's got the creds for it. So he'd start at the synagogue, and there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Remember, no person can perform a miracle. Only God can. And if God chooses to perform that miracle through you, it suggests that you have a very intimate relationship with God and what you say or do should be paid attention to. The people of the city of Iconium were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. Now there was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe. They continue eastward. Where they continued to preach the good news. So, people from Pisidian Antioch followed Paul and Barnabas and Mark, uh, Paul and Barnabas, to Iconium, and then from Iconium, they dogged their footsteps to Lystra and Derbe. Now, in Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, you over there, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began walking around. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus. I imagine, because Barnabas had a big curly beard like statues of Zeus. (laughs) Paul they called Hermes, the messenger, Mercury, because he was the talker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, tore their clothes and rushed to the crowd saying, Men, why are you doing this? We're only human beings like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. In, In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He's shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. And even with these words, even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. But then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, the ones who had been dogging Paul and Barnabas' footsteps, and they won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up, dusted himself off, and went back to the city. The next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. So Lystra, Lystra. What happened to Paul and Lystra? Paul got stoned in Lystra. I love that. No, not that kind of stoned. Oh, they stoned him. And if you were to give Paul and Barnabas a grade on their missionary efforts from Pisidia to Antioch to Iconium to Lystra to Derby, what grade would you give them? I don't know, maybe a C minus? But something happened in Lystra. Not only was Paul stoned in Lystra, but two women for sure heard him Lois and Eunice. We'll meet them later, the mother and grandmother of Timothy, who will join up with Paul on the second missionary journey. Well, the next day, Paul and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. And then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, just going back by the way they came, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidian, they came into Pamphylia, and when they preached the word in Perga, they went down to Antalya, and from Antalya sailed back, to Antioch. So they leave Syrian Antioch, they go to Cyprus, cross the island, go north to the Turkish Riviera, the beautiful city of Antalya, then north to Perga, Pisidian Antioch, then east to Lystra, Iconium, and Derby, and then back by the very same route. Once they got home, they reported in, arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So 46 to 48, they stay two more years, and in chapter 15, because all these Gentiles are coming into the church, no one ever thought about that. You know, Peter brought the first Gentiles into the church, Cornelius and his family. But that was aberrant. This was a Jewish movement. This was Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. Come for the Jewish people. What's with all the Gentiles? And now they're coming in by the truckloads up in Syrian Antioch. The church in Jerusalem sat up and took notice. What are we going to do about this? Some said, if Gentiles are coming into the church, they must come in through the door of Judaism. After all, God gave the law to Moses and that was passed down to us from God's lips to Moses to us. How can you be a follower of the Jewish Messiah if you don't observe the Mosaic law, which includes the dietary laws and circumcision and all the rest? Others said no. No, this is entirely different. The Gentiles do not need to observe the Mosaic Law, and they had a big discussion about it. Finally, calling a council at Jerusalem in AD 50, and we'll take a look at that council on Friday. So thanks, friends. Good being with you, and I'm looking forward to our next time together at the Council of Jerusalem. Okay, bye-bye now.